0: are you ready to live your best life be stronger and fall in love with yourself it's possible and it's inside you but you need to unlock the power within Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here is your host, Jody Harrison Bauer.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer, and I'm so excited to have you here once again, joining us to be educated, empowered, and inspired. And, you know, I think today we all need to laugh a little bit, and my guest today is somebody who makes me literally laugh out loud. We don't know each other personally, but just watching him on social media, I literally laugh out loud. And for those of you who know me, I'm a pretty damn serious person. And I'm a Capricorn. And Jared, I know you're not into the whole horoscope thing, but I am like super pretty serious person. So when somebody makes me laugh out loud, I like that person because who doesn't like to laugh? So with no further ado, I want to introduce this very, very busy and funny man, Jared Freed. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, it is such a pleasure to be here with you, jody I, I, I'm happy, and thank you. I'm happy I can make you laugh. I'm happy you're enjoying my stuff.
1: Yeah, I wanted to give a little bit of background about you. Okay, so I'm just reading this without my reading glasses, so just... Uh, and then I'm going to have you fill in the blanks for the rest of it. Okay. Basically, Jared is a comedian based out of New York City and originally from the Boston suburb of Needham, Mass. By the way, I worked for a guy in college. I went to school in Boston and he was from Needham.
2: Where'd you go to school?
1: I went to Simmons College.
2: I know Simmons. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I'm from Needham. And Needham's like a, you know, it's like a suburban town, right? Like 15, 20 minutes from the city.
1: Yeah. And when I went to school there back in the day, that was when they shut the Citgo sign off for the four years that I was in college. So I oh, could wow. see Fenway park from my dorm room.
2: Oh my God. That's a great dorm. That's a great spot to be in. That's it was fun great. Bars. I mean, yeah.
1: literally five minutes walking distance from Kenmore square.
2: Are you from Boston or what got you to Bo- just, you wanted to go to school? I'm there? from Connecticut. I'm
1: from Connecticut. So, so this all yeah. makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to finish just a little bit about what you do. So you are touring around the United States right now, doing comedy shows. You have really made a name for yourself. And you are the host of two podcasts, J Train and You Up with Jordana Abraham Yes, from uh, Betches.
2: That's exactly it. All right, uh, cool. We do dating advice uh, on the podcast. We talk about the intersection of modern dating and technology and all of the issues that come up with that. And it's, you know, all advice that maybe your parents can't give you because they didn't really go through it, you know? So, and I say advice kind of like, quote, you know, who, what do I know? I'm just some dude, but I, I think Jordan and I are speaking honestly about dating stuff that maybe are hard, for people to talk about with their friends or maybe their friends have biases against them or know them from another time or whatever. And we're there to have an uncomfortable conversations comfortably. So it's a fun podcast and people really have gotten into it. Like, it's really cool to see, like, to meet people, get messages, to be like, Hey, you know, and also, you know, I'm the guy perspective. Jordana's the, the female perspective. I think a lot of, you know, guy talk, you know, a lot of women don't have that in their lives. So it's nice to kind of hear someone who's not hateful or mean and, and talks about these things that are very personal because dating is personal in a fun way. And that's kind of my goal is to talk, be fun about something that maybe isn't fun for everybody.
1: Well, isn't it funny? Isn't it quote unquote funny because the things that are so serious to us, like intimacy, attachment, sex, all of those things are really serious. And what I love that you both do, especially you, giving it from the man's perspective, is you you add comedy to it. And I think sure. when we're talking about really serious things, you add that laugh where people could laugh in the audience and go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. And I think in so often, and I know that you're kind of referred to as the dare Abby for dudes. And I think men <laughs> these days, whether they're your age or they're my age, okay, uh, need advice because everybody is, there are so many more people. I mean, I'm gonna be 60 in December. There's so many people over 60, over 50 that are divorced, single, never married. Sure. And I think the advice for the millennials, I have millennial children, they're 27 mm-hmm. and 31. So I have millennial kids. And the same advice that I would give them, I would give to my friend or I would give to myself. Of course.
2: Yeah, there's no age on it. it. It's interesting because it's 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 way more about the technology of it than it is and our emotional relationship with this phone, with you know the the screens in our lives and how. Converse, you know, you have to translate the minute, the more screens you go through, the less, the more translating it needs. Like there's no tone to text. Like, oh my get, God, you know, I'm wait,
1: wait, you have to stop there. I sure. love that you said that there's no tone to text. They're, perfect. Cause people can't feel it.
2: It's like when you, it's like when you read a book, like you hope you're reading the voices in your head differently than I'm reading the voices in my head. And it's like when you see a text that says K with a period next to it, you go, oh, my God, this person must be mad. But then when you see a KK with an exclamation point, you're like, oh, my God, like look at this fun, flirty person. And it's like and I think a lot of this stuff when you're on your phone with someone, when you're on a dating app, it's a very social thing that's actually lonely. You don't really – show people the way you text with people like uh, for our podcast, like for J train more than you up, but we do it for both. I put, I, people send in screenshots and we read those and, there's so much fun because, and they are, they're so funny because we're all doing the same things, but we never talk about them. Like putting an LOL at the end of an uncomfortable sentence, just to show that you're feeling a little uncomfortable. You read that out loud. And then you're like, Oh my God, you're doing that too. And some of this becomes less lonely. And if you're in your sixties and you've been married to someone your whole life and you have grown adult children and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, mom, try out these dating apps so you can find someone to, you know, have as a partner. And then you go, well, what's, what's going on here? What's the tone here? What, why is this guy not making the date? This is all, this is ageless. This is just relationships and interpersonal dynamics in the phone. And
1: I think so. You make such a great point about saying, talking about the phone, because we didn't, I mean, I had this phone when I got divorced at 42. Mm. There were two things that came out. It's actually my ex-husband who told me about this. We were going through a divorce and he told me after he read the wall street journal that there's this app out there for people who are single called match.com. Yes, exactly. We were going through a divorce. Our, Our daughter's bat mitzvah was coming up in like five months and we like Got back together for like a couple of months to like plan out our bot mitzvah, and then we had to figure things out and we ended up getting divorced. But I remember asking my attorney, like, can I do this? Like, this felt like cheating, but it wasn't because you know, where I live in Connecticut, blah blah blah. Anyway, but I went on match.com and there was just sure. J Date, match.com and J Date. Mm-hmm. That was all and the and and that was all that was there. So, But it was great because it gave me a way to find my voice. So as lonely as it could be, and maybe it's lonelier now because more people are using it, COVID, everything else. But back then, um, it was so new and exciting, you know? What, and I, what, I loved dating. It was really fun. What,
2: what you said is so true, though, um, what you just said as far as, like, when you're asking your attorney, can I do this? Is this allowed? What, it, what dating apps kind of gives you is the opportunity to put yourself out there without going out there. So it's like the same thing with Match.com and j You could kind of just go on the computer, spend an hour and go browse some dudes. And it was fun and innocent. And, and also it was like a, a little bit entertaining. And you know, again, pros and cons, usually the pros and cons are the same thing with dating apps. It's, oh my God, uh, it's a pro that there's so many more options. It's a con that there's so many more options. Like they're usually the same thing. So when you say like, you know, and again, when you were going on match.com at that point, it was like, ooh, a dating app. I'm, uh, am I going to date someone in their mother's basement? Am I? Are these a bunch of losers? Are they a bunch of nerds? And now it's just so it's, it's so okay. It's so, it's so natural when you become single to like be in this places that again, you lose out on, like, you have to figure out how do you trust people? People are so comfortable on there. How do I know who's, you know, for real and for not. And these are all things that are very difficult.
1: Yeah. So what kind of advice do you give people like during dating during COVID? on an app, in their apartment, Mm. in their home, maybe hopefully not in the basement of their mom's house, but (laughs) who knows, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and they could still be very nice people, but they're dealing with something difficult right now. And I think a lot of people do it for, um, you know, uh, to keep themselves busy for companionship, and maybe they're not looking for a real relationship. But what do you say to people? What's the advice you give to people that, that, that do feel weird about going on apps or should I be doing this?
2: I, I, my advice is don't feel like you have to do it, first of all. Like, listen, there's a dating pie. There's a whole pie in, of ways to meet people. Dating apps are just one piece of the pie. If you go on there, be okay with what you want. So if you're on there just to talk to people, okay, be okay with that. You're going to lose people along the way. But that's the whole point is that there are options and there's more people to kind of deal with. Someone is on there for the thing that you want as well. You're going to find that commonality. So don't give up on finding what you want just to settle for someone that will talk to you and doing what they want. So if there's someone that's like, talking to you on a dating app for months and months and months, won't make a date. You got to be able to pull away from the table and say, hey, I came on here for dates. And it's as simple as that. And that's not saying they're a bad person. That's not saying you're a bad person, but we just want two different things. So if you come on a dating app looking for dates, which I could agree is a ridiculous thing to even have to say, but if you're there to go, hey, I," it's great to meet you. Let me know when we can get drinks. And they go, well, maybe we'll see. You go, you have my number. I got to go. This is, you know what I, I want. I completely
1: agree with you. I think, and I think as in every, in everything in world, in the world and you know, you've been around for you're 35 years old. So you're, you know, you're not a 25 year old. You've no. been around, you've dated, you've done the thing. You know, I know you have a girlfriend. Hi Jess. I even know her name. <laughs> See, I've just been like totally ODing on you. Ask me anything Thank about you. you. I could answer the question, but anyway, <laughs> um, and, uh, so it's like you've been around the block enough. You've dated enough people to know what the deal is. Um, does anybody ever ask you, hey, Jared, what makes you an expert in this? Like, why should I oh, listen to time. you? And I mean, I, yeah.
2: I, I'm not an expert. I always tell people I'm not I'm just a, you know, a person with a loud opinion. I, I would say that I'm more of a product of timing. You know, like when I was in college, Facebook comes out. I get out of college. Uh, Match.com and JDate. It's all desktop uh, website browsers. Then Snapchat. Then Twitter. Then Instagram. Then the swiping apps. And I was single throughout all those things. So and so and I'm just brutally honest about and vulnerable about the things in my life. Like you, you said you've you've heard a lot of things. I do. There's nothing that's really not on the table. Like I, I try. You know, I'm as honest as I can be. Also while also respecting the people in my life. But I. With my feelings, I'm always honest, and I and I do say I'm a normal dude. I'm fine looking. I'm not great looking. I'm not bad looking. I'm not I'm not I'm not a genius. I'm not stupid. I'm right at the center part of that graph of that bell curve. So whatever the person you're dating is feeling, I'm 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 within ten percent of how they're feeling. So they're not a hundred percent away from me. No one's a hundred percent a worse texter than you and I. You know, so they're either 10%. do not you feel that away.
1: when you're, right. I, I think that's a great point to make that you are not an expert and you're just really honest about what you have to say. And if people want to take the advice and and it, it works out great, then, then awesome. I feel the same way in what I do. Well, it's different with I, what I do in fitness. I've been doing it for over 30 years. I am an expert at this, but it's, I th- think it's super important to be really transparent and really honest like you are being when you go on these apps or when you go on a date that someone fixes you up on either way because if you're going on there just looking for friends then you know you're not really looking you know hey i'm here looking for friends which yeah. is weird but i know
2: <clears throat> i mean it's called a dating app so baseline we should all agree we're on there to find dates if you're on Bumble friend, you know, the friend version of Bumble, then fine. Then that, then baseline people should should assume you're on there for friends. But if you're on a dating app looking for friends, people, uh, and then if you're on a dating app and talking to people and then all of a sudden you go, well, I'm just looking for friends. You've lied to that person. You you've right. knowingly lied to that person. So I, I, and if you go on a dating app and you say, Hey, I'm just looking for friends with someone, maybe you shouldn't have talked to them in the first place because it feels like you're just telling them that because you didn't feel a a connection and now you're embarrassed. So oh, the beauty of the dating apps is also you is a uh, rudeness is kind of allowed there too. You can just stop talking to someone you started talking to. That's okay. That the non-answer is an admission of I'm just not into this match or I've left the app or. There, I'm you totally,
1: ju- I'm, I'm totally big on that.
2: Yeah. There's a root ru- You're allowed to be a little rude. A setup is different. If you go on a setup you have been given the opportunity to talk to someone about who they're setting you up with. So if I was at dinner with someone I was set up with and they were like, well, I'm here just for friendship, I would go, you've, someone lied to me. Maybe not you, but the person who set us up lied to me because I would never be on a date to meet a friend.
1: Right, right. So I wanna circle around to comedy, Okay. all right? So here you are, your 10-year-old Jared, At home in Needham, Massachusetts. And, like, I think I'm funny. So I'm the oldest of three girls. And I always thought I was kind of the funny one. Well, my middle sister is really, really funny, but I thought I was kind of funny. But I would never go on a comedy journey and think I was going to succeed and, and make money and this would be my career. So what made you feel that at some point in your life... At, and at what point in your life did you think you were funny enough to like go out there and 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 make money and and watch an audience laugh because I've watched all those comedy shows that the one from the 70s I can't remember it was on Netflix like a year ago or something um, it was about famous comedians it was a not a, not a documentary but it was uh, I don't remember what it was called but it's so hard to be funny all the time how do you do this and what made you think you were funny <laughs> well-
2: Funny, I'm, de- so. I'm definitely not funny all the time, uh, as I'm proving today, but I, I was, um, I, I think it started with, I loved when I was, I graduated college. I had a job that I wasn't really knew wasn't for me. It wasn't my life path. And I was like, and I was writing these emails in group emails with friends. And any, anytime I got the chance to write a group email to a bunch of friends, I would make jokes and make fun of people. And then sometimes someone would go off the email chain and contact me directly to be like, your email made my day. It was so funny. Oh my God. And that was like injecting drugs into my vein. So I was like, okay, this feels great. Making, when I get that email from someone saying I loved what you put out there and created uh, that made me feel good. So I was like, how do I get that drug again? How do I repeat that drug? So again, no one's going to beg anyone to do comedy. No one needs another comedian. No one's going to tell you you're so funny because then you become their responsibility. No one was saying to me, Jared, no one was pulling my arm onto the stage. And I don't believe that happens to anyone. I do believe that this takes a lot of hard work. And I think about this every single day of my life. So when I was like, when I said, I want to get that drug again, how do I get it? Well, you do it by working at it, going on stage, doing open mics, taking sketch classes and improv classes and seeing where I fit into all of this. It's a lot like, you know, I remember when TikTok was getting bigger before the quarantine, I was like, I want to be on TikTok, but I don't know what I do on there yet. Everyone's like, oh, it's young people dancing. No, Well, it won't be that for me because I'm not young and I'm not a good dancer. So like, I got to figure out here are the tools. Of my okay. Let me work at getting better at this. And so, comedy is, all, is a daily pursuit for me, where I'm always thinking, "How do I make this? What? How could this be performed? How could this be, you know, consumed by someone?"
1: So, what was the first time? What was it like the first time you got on stage? Because awful. Was there lots of fear?
2: Yeah, fear, <laughs> awful, no laughs. I didn't get a laugh for the first month I did stand up, but I was given really good advice. I was like, someone who was a professional comic was like, uh, I went into a comedy club and I went to a show and I was like, just started asking questions of all these comics. And they were like, go do open mic, go try it. And if, it, if you're going to kill, like anyone who gets on stage, you're gonna have that one moment where you're like, I killed it. So they're like, when you kill it, if it feels so good that you have to do it again, keep trying it. If it doesn't feel good, don't even try because it's too hard of a job to keep going with if you don't like it. And so I went up and for a month I didn't get any laughs. I was like, I got to get that feeling. I got to get that feeling. And then like a month in, I was at like a late night open mic in the East Village. And I was like, and I remember like, I killed it and you know, for whatever jokes I had at the time, you know, whatever I was trying, you know, it's not stuff I would do today, but whatever world, you know, the the, the the world came together for me to get laughs. And I was like, and my friend was with me. He came with me and he was like, oh my God, that was crazy. And I was like, yeah, that was crazy." And we were like, basically like, oh my God to each other. And I was like, yeah, this is, you know, stand-up's kind of the, my place and where I fit into it. And now with like everything I do, it's a version of stand-up. It's something I would do on stage, but maybe in a different way. Like I I yell at The Bachelor. I was live tweeting The Bachelor, and that was getting some response, but like it wasn't getting the connection I loved. And then I started yelling it on Instagram stories, and all of a sudden, like that connection was there. All of a sudden it felt like that moment I'm, where I, I was. Wanna, killing I wanna
1: I wanna talk, I wanna talk about, <coughs> yeah, I wanna talk about all of that. Um Oh, you said something just a minute ago about, Oh, being on the show and feeling like you killed it. And it's, it's those, those moments that you, you hold inside and you're like, yep, I knew when I killed it and I'm going to go back there and I'm going to kill it. And I'm going to expand on what I killed it on. Right.
2: That's that's a lot of it. And it's also just knowing what that feels like, like just because, you know, many former comedians have killed on stage. You know, my goal is to never be a former comedian. My goal is to do this the rest of my life and make a living doing it. So, you know, it's the goal is like, how do I get a show to feel like that moment for not just me, but for everyone in the room? Like, how do I get everyone on that page where I'm like, I I have the type of the room swaying in the way I want it to sweat.
1: I saw a, an old video of you from 2013 where you were okay. talking about the sweater. And I don't know. Sure. We, have, we have one minute left before we go to break. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the sweater, I guess. Well, you know, we're going to take a break now because I want you to go into the sweater a little bit. But okay, I bought my boyfriend in high school a sweater. Sure. And I just, again, laughed my ass off when I heard you say it because it was a pink sweater and all of his friends made fun of it. And it was like wearing Jody on him. And so I just totally related to that. So we will be back in a couple of minutes after the break with Jared Fried. Hang in there, you guys. I'll see you in a few minutes.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: On Fearlessly Authentic, Jodi talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jodi Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jodi Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jodi Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodiharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodiharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic.
1: And we are back with Jared Freed, who is being, being—I, um, you know, I just find him very, very funny. But we're being a little serious right now, but we'll get we'll, we'll get there with the funniness. Okay. So I want to talk about the sweater. So what made you do a little bit about buying your boyfriend a sweater, a girl buying a well, boyfriend a sweater?
2: It just never seemed Well, here, that bit, as it's from a long time ago, I, <laughs> I was basically saying that like any guy, you can tell when a guy has a girlfriend because he's like dressed up by the girlfriend and put in a, a sweater by the girlfriend. And but then it's interesting because I, I I was working on that bit and th- that one got put online by the venue and like that one always gets shared around. And then like it was funny because then Trainwreck came out, the movie with Amy Schumer and in that preview for the like, you know how they have the trailer in the trailer. Right. She basically does like a version of the joke. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was like the sweater bit and then it was then I, I don't, they did not steal from me. I'm not saying that I'm saying, you know, it's just a very universal thing. Like where you see a guy in a sweater, and he just looks uncomfortable. He wouldn't dress that way. I think I'm learning that about myself with my girlfriend is like, all of a sudden my eyebrows look better than they did a week ago. Like all of a sudden, like all these guys get fixed up. And the sad part is like all these guys are dressing a certain way. Cause they think they're going to get laid when they really just look like crap, you know? So And then these women come and fix up. And like, now you're like (laughs) fixing these. Like if I was a woman, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a guy into new stuff until I was married because like, you know, know, before you're just fixing them up for another woman. Like why should they get the benefits of what you're putting together?
1: I have done that so many times. I call my myself like the man whisperer because they always, they always, I always break up with them after I've made them look wonderful. Like i fixed them. Them up with their wardrobe but i'm like go little bird fly because it didn't work out like so go find yourself another girlfriend and you look beautiful now and like when i met my husband he had shorter hair but he had a lot of hair now his hair is down to here oh wow and he's put on like 15 pounds of muscle and like people stop him and tell me looks like chris cornell you know who chris cornell is yeah of course okay all right well a lot of people don't um but you're a little you're a little older so uh Anyway, he gets stopped. We were at, went to a Giants game and everybody stopped, like literally five kids stopped him and said, hey, dude, you look like Chris Cornell. It wow. Was, I mean, and I'm like, that's a if,
2: huge compliment. Good looking dude.
1: Yeah. So if I were to ever, if this were ever to end, which it won't because <laughs> I just got married a year and a half ago, um, you know, he would be going into the universe looking much better than he did come sure. in. So I, I get, get it. it.
2: And all women do after their, guys only, you know, women make guys look better from their relationship and guys make women more realistic, you know, with uh, relationship expectations. So like, it's like, you know, you have guys are going out there on their, you know, being sent off on their romantic way and women are being sent off and they're like, all right, well, another douchebag that made me realize that love, (laughs) you know, is, doesn't exist or can't exist in a romantic way.
1: Right. Um, Let's talk about what you do. um, Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. One of the other things, two things that you make me really laugh out loud about. Like I couldn't even say the word a few weeks ago, but I had some people over and um, I put together a board because my daughter who lives in Miami told me I should make one of those things. And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't eat meat. I don't eat cheese. I don't eat any of the crap that's on there, but yeah, sure. And how do you say that word again? So where did you come up with this whole bit about charcuterie?
2: So I, like a year, two years ago, two, as crazy as that sounds, two years ago, It was like two in the morning and I was coming back from shows and I saw someone posted a picture of their charcuterie board. And I was like, oh, I!" and I thought to myself, I tweeted out, I was like, I could tell what type of parent you'll be by the charcuterie board you make. That was the tweet, simple. And then I was going on a vacation with my girlfriend the next morning and I woke up at like 6 a.m. after going to bed at like two and tweeting this out to like 10 pictures of people's charcuterie boards. And they were all like, what type of parent would I be? And so I was like, so I started telling them what type of parent they'd be based on their charcuterie board. And then it evolved into this like, kind of like, I didn't realize how many women especially have pictures of a charcuterie that they made on their phone. Charcuteries are kind of like babies where it's like, You know, everyone's got a, you don't need an education to have one. And you can just put it, and everyone has a picture of theirs in their pocket. So it's, and so now I get sent like hundreds a weekend and they want me to like review them. And again, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert, just in the same way I'm not an expert in dating. But what I will say is I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who came to you. Every review of a charcuterie board is from the perspective of someone. Who came to your party hungry? Because a charcuterie is the first thing you put out. It is the fir- it is the face of the party. It's the thing people can immediately dig into. And if you didn't really think of that, then you didn't think of your guests. So it's actually an offensive thing.
1: I even had it at my wedding, and neither my husband or I eat cheese or those that meat that's been cured for a hundred years. Yeah. Like, but but my our caterer said you have to have one.
2: And yeah, because people it, want to eat right away. People are hungry. Yeah. it's Because when you go to a party, you want to feel good in your clothes. So you usually like skip lunch and you don't want to feel full and you don't want to feel bloated. You want to go into a party feeling good. So you're always a little bit hungry. So then that charcuterie is waiting there. And if there's like a big gourd on it, you're like, get that out of here. I want real food.
1: <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture of mine because the my daughter – help me with it and somebody else helped me with it because I didn't even want to touch the meat and you could tell me well I I already have (laughs) kids but you can tell me what mine thinks
2: okay perfect what
1: what mine mean what mine means and so the other thing that really literally oh my god just makes me laugh so hard is when you do the influencer thing with the diamond on your finger they towel on your head. The last one that you just posted, I think it was yesterday with uh, you had like the the ponytail holder or something like that.
2: Scrunchies on How, the towels, yeah.
1: This, the scrunchies, yeah. Like, tell me about that. That just well, makes me laugh so we hard. Live,
2: we live in a world where the influencers exist, and they, you know, people follow these people because they do influence it, they exist for a reason. Everyone follows some sort of Instagram page that has good style or good makeup or fitness tips. And listen, that's the beauty of the internet. But sometimes they, you know, when you're in that world, I think you're in the follower economy. So you need followers. So that means you don't want to lose followers. So a lot of them do the same tropes so that they sound a lot alike so that they don't, if you sound different, you'll lose somebody. So if you just sound just like everybody else, then more people, your followers will stay with you and stay engaged with your stuff. So a lot of them will be pushing products. And I was always doing, I used to do these unboxing. I would make fun of people and unboxing stuff and I would do kind of a voice for it. And then it just turned into like, you know, well, okay, I'll put a towel on my head and I'll act like I'm some, you know, makeup artist who's just trying to make it. And I think when you're trying to like, not be wrong or try to edit yourself or trying to sound like everything else you start to sound like a cartoon and that's why it's kind of easy to make it into a cartoon because we've all seen that person we've all seen a version of that person where they're like you know hey everybody and you're like who are you talking to hey a lot of you have been asking and it's like no one's asking No one's wondering. A lot of you have been asking about my top and I'm going to do a swipe up link, promo code, get your top off. Like, it's like all the same. So we, again, from, you know, comedy is really like, you know, being honest and also like seeing the thing that we've all seen, but like a little bit calling it out a little bit.
1: The kind of comedy that you do is something that I can relate to. So I see something And if somebody makes fun of it because it's so it's something we all find funny. Sure. Like even if it's falling, hopefully nobody gets hurt, but it's the fall. It's the, the blunder. It's the thing. It's the reason I I think a
2: lot of, a lot of times. And like, I yell, you know, this happens with the bachelor. When I talk about the bachelor, like I want to be the words to someone's eye roll. So like when they eye roll, I want to like do, I want to say the words their eye roll was meant to convey.
1: So give me an example for those of you who do not follow Jared Fried. Give it, give it to us. Give us how you can find you. Jared Fried, Jared Fried, Jared Fried.
2: At Jared Freed on Instagram. That's where I do all my stuff. That's like the center of my wheel. But at Jared Fried on Instagram, JaredFried.com. I'm going to be in Charlotte this weekend. I'm doing socially distanced shows. Um, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. I'm going to be. St. Louis, Indianapolis, all those places. So, Liz, I'm, you know, but at Jared Freed on Instagram, that's where, like, my podcast is. That's where you can find kind of everything.
1: Okay, awesome. But so The Bachelor, so we we were talking about the comedy, we were talking about the eye roll, which is so funny because... Give us an example of what would be an eye roll, like something that you just saw on The Bachelorette, because I know they're, it's airing tonight. They're going to get rid of her or something like that, right? Something's happening. I, so
2: I love The Bachelorette. I love The Bachelor. I think the the eye roll is that, like the opening episode when people get out of the car and they say a line, and you're like, okay, you know, uh, the guy came out wearing a straitjacket because he's gone crazy and love for her, and it's like all right, we got to make fun of this straight guy. Like he went too far, but like they do those gimmicks every season. So like, uh, again, but then like Claire, she gets, you know, how many eye rolls have I done at her where she's telling these people what to do and, uh, you know, how to, how to feel and how they got to pursue her more while she's pursuing someone else and has kind of decided on her husband already. So it's all stuff that like you're at home yelling at the TV that I'm just trying to put to words and make fun. Well,
1: you do. I think you do a very good job of, like, Thank anticipating you. what the people at home are thinking. Because when I saw the guy come out of out with the straitjacket, I'm like, dude, really? Really? Like, you think that's sexy? <laughs> and then, he, then they go into the party, the party where she's like, I'll see you later. And he's still in the friggin' straitjacket. Like, dude, yeah. take it off.
2: And he's like, he's looking at the camera <laughs> being like, yeah, I just didn't get a lot of time with her. It's like, yeah, who would spend time with you? You're in a straitjacket. You are... You can't even hold a drink. You can't even like show. You know, like what? Do you, what kind of time could you have together?
1: Uh, right. I was like, okay, it's time to put the costume away. Yeah. So, <laughs> how do you feel about? I love the fact that you know I used to think in in my fantasy head that the Bachelor and Bachelorette should have something for fifty and over because I would love that. everybody's kind of dis. Right. Oh, we should we should pitch that. Okay. So yeah, ABC. Right? eight let's we're going to pitch that and because there are so many women divorced over 50 or single and they have no place to go i mean we talked about the dating apps but but why isn't there a show for over 55
2: i would love that i i you know there's been a lot made of claire being an older bachelorette
0: yeah and
2: it's she's 38 going on 39 while taping the show and no one in their right mind thinks that's an older person. Like, I, that's just a ridiculous thing. Duh. For right. the sho- I, and I think for the show, though, where they've only had 24-year-old women on the show, that's who their main character usually is, it is older for the show. So But I, I'm with you. I always thought, you know, so when Claire started, you were like, okay, maybe we're going to get a more real version of The Bachelorette. And that hasn't really happened. What I I thought, I kind of have this feeling that like I would love someone in their 50s who's already been married, grown children, like I have a life and I'm looking for someone as a real partner. Because then the great part about that would be you could get older men on the show and older men are, that's when we're the worst, when men turn 60, and they're still trying to be young. That's when we look the worst. So I think the comedy that would come from that would be way harder. It would be guys who you know maybe are retired and think very highly of themselves. They're all wearing New Balance sneakers. They got the shirts with the cuffs that have the paisley on them. They got a big open shirt with hair coming out in the necklace, and you could see overconfident men of a certain age. And it would be great fodder for television. I think that would pop off the screen. So not only would we get a more realistic bachelorette, but we'd get the most embarrassing version of men to make fun of on TV. So for me, that's my goal.
1: I love that, that you think that it would embarrass men. I love that because- Oh,
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah, what do you think about a man, forget the, a man who's in his sixties dating a 30 year old. What's your take on that whole thing?
2: Um, I think, whatever, you know, there's nothing I can, I don't really care. I don't care either way. You know, like you, if they like each other, they like, you know, like if it was a, a six-year-old woman with a 30-year-old man, I go, ah, that's what they do. I think there's like a lot made out of that that's on unfair to both sides. You know, like it's unfair to the 30-year-old woman because she looks, you know, people make assumptions about her. It's unfair to the 60-year-old man because people make assumptions about him. But like, they got to live together. You know, so like, you know, like if that's the you at know, the if the day at the end of the day you got to spend Sunday next to that person with nothing else to do. So if that's what you wanted to sign up for, if there's no love there, then that sucks. I I feel bad for you. But if there is love there, then good for you. You know, you did it, you know, like who's to hate?
1: So what do you think is a perfect I agree with you. I mean, you know, go live your life, go be happy. You know, just you know, be happy, mm. whatever whatever your age is. But I, you know, we we got to shoot. We had you know, pitch this whole fifty plus for ABC. You and me, let's go do it. They got to do um, it. But what do you think is what do you think is like the perfect age difference um, for what do you think is the perfect age difference for a man and a woman? or or any couple, they don't have to be a man and a woman, any couple, do you think that there's like a perfect age difference or what have you found in your dating life and giving advice?
2: Um, It really depends. I don't know. I I think generally if you're with a younger man, if you're with a guy who's 27 or below and he's waffling on seriousness, I think you're not going to change that guy. I think that's the one thing like I, I think any age can go with any age, uh, uh, obviously within, you know, within reason with, the, you know, people obeying laws, obviously, but I'm saying that young male, 22 to 27 year old who tells you he's not ready for a relationship. My advice is to believe him, you know, like I agree. Not to, say, not to say that 20 to 27 can't be ready for a relationship, but if they're saying it, Hey, I'm not sure. I'm looking to like, let's be, let's not be like, if they're doing the whole song and dance where they're like, we're exclusive, but we're not serious, that's not going to change their mind. So if you're in one of those with someone that age, I'm sorry to break it to you, but that person is just holding out from having uncomfortable conversations.
1: Yeah. And I think something I I think, people in their twenties are normally too young to get married. I got married at 24 Mm. and I told both of my daughters, they weren't allowed to get married until they (laughs) they were at least 30 and to live out their twenties and like do whatever they want to do, because that's when you're supposed to have a lot of fun. And then, you know, maybe start thinking about, you know, being with, with the right guy possibly, but nothing before 30. How do you feel about that?
2: Uh, It's to each their own. I, I know that's a, not a great answer, not a fun answer, but like I listen I just don't think you're going to convince someone else to have your standards. So if you're someone who's 25 and you're like, I'm ready to get married, I'm ready to settle down, have a life good for you. But don't try and convince someone who kind of isn't, you know, is is going along, but not really getting along. You know, like yeah. it's it's never gonna you're never gonna like make someone believe in your standard of living. And also you shouldn't judge them for wanting differently. But like if you know, if your daughter was out on a on a Saturday night and some guy was like, Hey, do you want to do dinner this week? And she's like, Well, I'm 27, I don't do dinner until I'm 30. You know, that's fine too. Like, you know, like but if she went on the dinner being I like, see yeah,
1: I'm okay, make fun of me.
2: I'm not making fun of you, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying it it can go like I think your rule I think the advice you're giving your daughters is great. Like have fun, like don't take life too seriously. So young. Um, But it also like, I can understand where they would be like, well, this person is my my world, you know, rocks my world. This was it. But I I think like that's, I think it's a, to me, it's a less stressful existence to be like, it just kind of happened rather than I got to make it happen.
1: I agree. I, I agree. I mean, that's kind of a rule of thumb just because I didn't live out my 20s and I just want to make sure that they make the right decisions. Yeah, you want them to have all that this, stuff
2: uh, having the stuff that you didn't get to have or maybe you but you bought, you had fun. I'm sure that's not Well, I problem. did it in my
1: 40s. That's why there I think go. I'm 20 years younger. Like instead <laughs> of turning 60, I'm actually turning 40. So that's right. Uh, you know, so I wanted to comment on how great you look. By oh, the
2: thank you. Way. <laughs>
1: And I know that you're going through kind of a a metamorphosis and like getting fit and strong and healthy. And like, what brought that
2: on? Well, you know, I don't know if it's a metamorphosis. I've been trying to lose 10 pounds my whole life. That's kind of like my story. And I think a lot of people see eye to eye with that. So I, again, like there's not one day where I've been saying it starts Monday for 17 years. So like, I, I So the idea of like, today was the day, like, I think that's a more disheartening thing and a, a harder thing when you are trying, but you're trying to figure out what is the thing that makes it click for me. And I think health and fitness is all so personal It's there's no one answer that works for everybody because everyone has their own and it's mental too. So it's like, what's the thing that makes it click into place? What's the thing that makes me not make the mistakes at the dinner table? What's the thing that makes me get to the gym? And it's like, maybe that's Pilates for some people. Maybe that's running for some people. Maybe that's keto for some people. Maybe that's intermittent fasting for some people. That's why there's so much debate because people make it. It's so personal when it works for you. When it works for you, you're like, there can't be any other answer. And I I don't think that's true. There's a million different answers to this question. And the, you know, for me, it's been really nice to work with people that are, you know, that I can kind of go to, to be, you know, I'm always someone, for me, my personal thing is I like a beginning, middle and end. I like a meal to begin, middle and end. I like a training session, a workout session to begin, middle and end. I want to feel like I got the, you know, the, 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 the medal at the end. I want to feel like I finished the level, you know? So that's kind of what I'm going through, but I, you know, I talk a lot about it on stage. I talk a lot about fitness and stuff and like trying to figure that out. And like, I, I work with a trainer now that I, you know, that's a very big luxury um, and he's great and I enjoy working with him. But then again, that brings on new things. Like every time you tell someone you work with a trainer, they, they feel like they have to be this like body uh, uh, like auditor. They have to like look at your body up and down and go, oh well, yeah, you've really been like. Right. They have to like give you the once over, and it's like that's horrific.
1: Well, one of the things that you 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 mentioned is uh, the mind that it's like it's so much of it is mental too. So mm. when people do give you that that look over that once over, and you're like, uh, oh, really. You're working with a trainer, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like it's working, or it's like, yeah, that, and and it being so personal because maybe for you it's working because mentally you're getting motivated to get to the gym to actually be held accountable well, and for you. Maybe that's the first step, you know. I don't well, know, but I I'm just saying if, it is if very. I
2: told if, like if I told someone that I got a trainer and they were like, yeah, you're mentally <laughs> so different now, I'd be like. I'd be angry for the rest of my life. I'd be like, yeah, that that was my goal with the trainer. I was looking to, I was looking to find a new perspective on things. Like, no, that's not (laughs) why I got a trainer. I
1: I get it. Well, uh, keep up whatever you're doing. I think it's great. And uh, we are, we are almost done with this interview and I'm so bummed out because I'm going to miss talking to you. I have one last question to ask you, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's called fearlessly authentic and I'm here to educate empower and inspire others with my guests. So what does fearlessly authentic mean to you?
2: Oh, I, I would say it means this. I, I, I say this all the time. It has become a life motto and I believe in it fully. We write to edit. You write to edit. So whatever you're doing it is a rough draft for a better version that will happen at another time when you're ready to do it. So nothing's a, you know, Nothing's really a finished product. You put it out there so that you can edit it later and make it better.
1: I love that. You're right to edit. Great. Jared Freed, tell us how we can find you once more. It was great having you on the show.
2: At Jared Freed on Instagram. That's the best place. But thank you so much. This was a pleasure. It's nice to meet you and talk with you.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And unlock the keys to a more powerful you.